Hey friends, thank you so much for tuning into the Diana show. You know, this conversation is super interesting to me because if you think about white privilege or passing privilege or socioeconomic privilege, I just think about imagining growing up and loathing the body that I was born in. I like everything about my body. And although I've definitely complained about my feet being too big or my hips being too wide, I always have liked the genitalia I was born with. And this is a story of a man who was born a woman and had to go through the process of hurting himself and doing lots of things. He weren't the best choices for himself. He says at one point that he just wanted to stop killing himself. And uh, it's a great redemptive story and super interesting. So without further ado, I'm going to get to the story of Mr. Riley Kirkpatrick. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen to today's episode. I am talking with Mr. Riley Kirkpatrick. I have known him for, oh, I mean, I don't even know, like maybe 15 years. And although we only physically work together for a short amount of time, I've been able to follow him. You can follow him at Riley Coyote. So it's R-I-L-E-Y-K-O-Y-O-T-E. And why don't you go ahead and say it for me, Riley? So sorry about that. Riley Coyote, R-I-L-E-Y, and then Coyote with a K. So K-O-Y-O-T-E. Perfect. Thank you. Hi, Riley. How are you? I'm well. I'm very well. Thank you. Yay. So what is most interesting about Riley is that he does work now. Um, We used to work together when I owned a business in Georgia, and um, his life has progressed like ours all do. And he now works um, helping people who deal with addiction issues. And so that's a super interesting fact about Riley. And he also has an incredible story and so many nuggets to share and just like such an interesting life. So I'm going to tell you how I first met Riley. Riley came in to be, uh, to help us with yard maintenance in our salon building. Is that, that was right, right? Yeah. Well, I actually... I and as kind of the I don't even like the boy Friday like yeah. I was doing like maintenance and cleaning and then very shortly after I was like uh, I think you guys should fire the yard people and let me, and then did the yard um, yeah it was so you kind of yeah did it all that, in the salon because we had mm. it, it was like a five thousand square foot salon. And I remember when I met you and I interviewed you, I'm like, yes, this man has nice muscular arms. He's attractive. He's classy. He's going to be able to get along with these girls and fit right in. And I was excited to have like a man's man. And I, I even thought him, oh man, this guy is super cute. And did you ever know that? Did I ever tell you that? No, but that's, that's funny to hear in hindsight. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's totally, I remember you were in my office. And so we had this great conversation. I'm like, perfect. I just need someone who's a hard worker. who has got a great personality because sometimes you can find people that are like hard workers, but they wouldn't necessarily fit in a high end salon environment day in and day out. And you were mm-hmm. just a perfect fit for us. Yeah. And, um, and then you yeah, slapped it's... your driver's license down and told me your story. yeah it's well it's funny too i think it was i think it was maybe roughly 10 years ago yeah and it was a really interesting place that i was in in that um 
I had moved to the South. Uh-huh. I am transgender. I was born female, transitioned to be male. Uh-huh. And I'm literally living in the South. And like, I had a thing once I got here where I was like, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> like, where can I work? Like, how can I, how can I get through this? Yeah. Um, and it, everything with the salon and kind of ending up there, which was awesome. But I was also like not that long into recovery. I mean, I, it, it was within my first year and I had come down here. Um, oh man, I come, I mean, honestly, like just real talk. I don't even know if I told you this at the time, but it was the first time I had gotten off probation and like could actually leave the county, let alone the state. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like the week that I got off probation, I came down here and it was just this epic attempt to try to start over. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, I didn't even think about it until I was down here. I was like, holy cow, I'm, I'm a trans felon. <laughs> it's like trying to start over mm-hmm. in the South. Like, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? And, you know, 10 years later, looking back, it's all, it's great. Um, but at the time that that was a really hard, interesting place to be. And I remember that too, like, um, you know, trying to get you guys to let me do the yard, which you absolutely did. But I was just on this hustle mode of like, you know, how am I gonna, (laughs) how am I going to survive through this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I never would have known that really. I never would have, I didn't know anything about your addiction. It didn't come off like that at all to me. And I would consider myself a fairly, you know, uh, intuitive person, you know, I usually read people pretty well, but the way that you read to me was that you were super honest about, um, you know, you slapped down your, uh, your driver's license and, and it, it was, uh, it said another sex on there and it said another name too. And you're like, I just want you to know this prior to us moving forward because I don't want there to be any issues, you know? And I was like, yeah, there's no issues for me. And I was just like, okay, that dude has some balls because that's not easy to do in the south now you ran across a girl from california who's very open-minded but Mm -hmm. that's it's not easy it's not easy in the south um it's not easy for for, uh queer folks and it's also not easy for um addicted addicted people yeah yeah absolutely and it was like at the time i had a whole lot of things working against me um but it was yeah, it was interesting. And the whole, uh, the, the manager that you had at the time, um, she did some of my paperwork and we, we didn't realize until so many months in, she literally of the like two or three pages of the application, she did not copy both sides. So that question of, are you a felon, <laughs> which was on your application, but wasn't on the one that I filled out. And I ended up having some really hard conversations with her too. But as a whole, like the salon, I felt totally and completely yeah. supported. I felt really seen yeah. as me and who I like where I was at at that time. And yeah, I was very like honest. Mascot. I remember that <coughs> you became like everybody's favorite thing. Oh, that's 
it's that's true. cool to hear. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it, I took it so seriously. Like I was like folding yeah. towels, but I was like, I'm going to do the best. I'm, I'm the yeah. best towel folder ever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to mow the lawn, but I'm going to, you know, plant flowers in yeah. the pots outside and they're going to look so good. Yeah. I didn't even know that about you. I mean, I just remember you were like aggressive about living right it seemed like you were like yes. militant about I was right <laughs> yep. yeah I would do such silly I'd go back and I'd be like that wasn't entirely honest and I don't know why I said that I'm really sorry like yeah. it, in so many ways looking back on it I was like I totally was like a 14 year old yeah. in like a 30 year old's body and well, just kind of stumbling through using, it I've heard I've read before that if you start using or you you know go into alcohol, alcoholism young then sort of like yeah. your maturity can be stunted at that. I mean, do you agree with that? I experienced that 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. There were so many things that I, I had to stumble through, like as an adult that were, I just very much had the mentality and even like the, the capability, the ability, like there were, there were things, things like making a dentist appointment would become like the most epic ordeal that I had to learn how to overcome mm -hmm. or, you know, banking, like having a, a checking. I mean, there were so many things mm -hmm. that like, I just, I didn't know how to do. And I, it was just this really intense crash course. I feel grateful that I had so many people around me that, that supported me and, just kind of let me have my process with it. And again, you know, it's 10 years later and everything's completely different, mm -hmm. but it, it was a very interesting time at that time. Yeah. And that like I was mowing, I started mowing lawns and doing landscaping and I did that for a handful of years. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel kind of sad to say this, but at the time I wholeheartedly believed that labor was the only thing that I could do. Mm -hmm. Like I, that I was smart. I didn't know that I had very much to offer. Um, I, I only have an eighth grade education. Mm -hmm. um, I got my GED and like the seventh treatment center that I went to, uh, but I'm not well educated. And I, um, I just was really convinced that if I was to be successful, um, it would be, like I just had to do labor. Mm -hmm. um, and that was great. Like I, you know, I was self-employed for a handful of years, five, mm -hmm. six years before I started doing what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. And the, the experience was great because I got to learn that, you know, I am bright. I'm very competent and capable. Mm -hmm. I'm good with people. I'm good at problem solving. Like there's all these things that yeah, I just like didn't Pied know. Too. I mean, people follow you. People, I mean, I can see it online. Like the things that you say, people kind of fawn over the things that you say because you say it so honestly and so vulnerable, vulnerably that um, it breaks mm -hmm. your heart open to what other people have gone through that a lot of us, I mean, I just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's luck of the draw or how, how, you know, who the stork placed me with or what it was, but I just didn't end up in the same circumstances as you did. And when you listen to somebody's story like yours, which you really should write a book and that's a whole other podcast we should talk about, but, I'm or have your there. own podcast. <laughs> um, when yeah. you, when you listen to somebody's story like that, it's so helpful because it helps me 
the thing that is an addiction for me is judgment. And women like me, our addiction mm. is judgment. And if you think about like, we walk by a homeless person who smells judgment, like it's an annoyance. They smell, it's annoying. Yeah. Why, you know, dude, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of a thing. And so women who yeah. were raised like I was, or are going through life with money, you know, like I can go to target when I want get what I want. I can make my house payment when I want. I, I'm, I'm not worried about very much. Um, aside my, aside mm-hmm. from my kids, the thing that we fall into is judgment and to help us pull out of judgment, what people like you can do is tell your stories because once you hear it from a real person that you're connected to and that maybe you've fallen in love with by watching what they do online, it breaks your heart open and you realize these are just people that are struggling and um, they're just yeah. fellow human beings that maybe didn't get the same breaks that you did. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of this, like as you're saying this, I start going to the place of like thinking about privilege. And I think in in this current, you know, the current racial climate and just what would just with everything that's happening in the world, which is really, it's a lot right now and it's really intense. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to have more conversations about, um, I mean, like I've, dealt with and learned about the concept of privilege for a while now. So it doesn't have that. It doesn't feel as triggering as it used to be, you know, as I've like learned about what it is and is not, Mm -hmm. but that, you know, there's these concepts and I, I am very much privileged with my whiteness. And as I walk through the world, you you know, and you would have absolutely no idea that I'm trans if if you weren't told. And I wonder if that 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 is a privilege, right? That you look so much like a man. Oh, absolutely. Well, that, well, and I am a man in, but that, and that's like verbally, they call that passing privilege, right? Like that I have this passing privilege as like it, I walk through the world as a straight white man, Mm -hmm. which in some of that is really interesting because yeah, passing privilege, but like you look at a different kind of trans person, like trans, a lot, a lot of trans women are specifically trans women of color or trans women of color that don't have as much passing privilege as Mm -hmm. I do. Um, There's, Oh my goodness. They experience so many things that, I have the privilege of not experiencing. Mm -hmm. And I will say too, a lot of people don't understand this, but when we transition, like I, I I started transitioning very young, Mm -hmm. like the closer we transition to our natural puberty, Mm -hmm. the kind of the better our body Mm -hmm. takes it. Right. Um, And like there, you know, when a lot of people that don't begin transitioning until they're in their Mm forties or fifties, um, they have a very different experience and there's so many different things between trans women and trans men and non-binary folks that, that makes all of our experience different. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, there, there are some things in some ways that I've struggled very hard. And like, for me personally, that I've had substance use issues and, you know, I, that, those things brought me to prison and being in prison and being a trans person Mm. is very intense or, you know, traumatic. So what Um, did that look like? Did you end up getting put in with females or males? I've been everywhere. I've been, I've been in County 
in county jails and in prison. And I've been with women, with men and segregated. I've done, I've been everywhere. And just like, depending on where I was at in my transition, depending on, um, Oh, all different kinds of things. And then there would, I've been bounced around a lot Mm -hmm. without a doubt. The hardest for me was being segregated. Um, just cause just psychologically, it's just horrible. Um, but like for me, that was, that was an intense thing, but like since the first couple years of transitioning, I really don't get a lot of, I don't get a lot of social stuff, you know, like I don't, I'm, I'm not prone to physical assaults while walking down the street. And there are so many trans women, especially trans women of color, um, that are, that I mean, are like murdered and not just murdered, but like insane. Like there is some thing where people snap to such a degree. It's not just like they were shot or killed. It's like, you know, stabbed 127 times and why mutilated why why does it make people so why is it there is i don't know there is some like intense deep hatred that is so deep and it's it's very intense and without a doubt without a doubt trans women of color get the brunt of that Mm. and um Ooh, it's it's brutal. That's one of those things too, though, where like as as someone who does have a little more privilege, I do want to use my voice to bring attention to those things. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that is very important, and it's not we as trans people. I don't think we should be judged by our passing privilege. You know, by like how you know, quote unquote good somebody else thinks we look uh you know to the opposite sex of which we were born like that's that's not that that's not the measuring stick of our worth Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes when people see it not just trans women but i think you start getting into intersectional stuff where like not just women that are you know, a little further down on the totem pole, but then also a trans woman and a black woman. And there's like so many intersectional things there where it's just like, you you know, you're not only not on the totem pole, you're like under, you're not even human, Yeah. you know, (laughs) like. Yeah. Because you're, you're mixing misogyny with race, with, mm -hmm. um, with with sexism. sexism, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like transphobia. Three or four layers of ways to get shit upon, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's interesting. Like, I don't. I'm. I mean, honestly, in the big scheme of things, like I'm 20 years into my transition, and I had I had many years where I was trying to live like stealth, what's called stealth, where Mm -hmm. you're just under the radar, nobody knows. Um, And the last so many years of being down here, like something has really kind of switched in me where Mm -hmm. I do, I want to use my voice. I want, 
I will say I don't like it when people know that I'm trans before they get to know me because then I'm like Riley, the trans guy, or I'll be in front of them. I can see them looking at me, like staring yeah. at me in my body yeah. in this way where they're like trying to see the woman in me, you know, which like you just won't see. Like yeah. that's not there. <clears throat> yeah. I don't like that kind of stuff. But I do I've gotten really into too like I hold space for other trans folks to like to just kind of where we have a support group and I hold space for LGBTQ youth that, um, oh my goodness. To like, when I think about being taillights for a younger version of myself Mm -hmm. to be able to follow, that makes me really, really happy. Mm -hmm. And to be in this town and to be doing that the last few years and like getting to know these kids and getting to know their parents and like being able to, to play this role. And I think it's so important too, that they see that they can see someone that transitioned that is happy and healthy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I granted, I did have to make it through a lot of my own kind of personal self-harm stuff, Mm -hmm. but the, the um just that reality i did not know when i was young that i could transition and i could grow up and i could be happy and healthy in my body mm-hmm. like i did not know that i did not know i mean when i finally got to the place where i was willing to transition i didn't know i mean it was like the epic leap of faith like i didn't know how i would look i didn't know how my body would take to anything all that i knew was that i couldn't it couldn't be any worse than i already was mm-hmm. you know like yeah. i couldn't be any more unhappy mm-hmm. with my body and it wasn't a like oh i wish i'd lose 10 pounds right. or oh these love handles like it was like like when you're not right in your gender it's uh it's not really comparable to weight loss or self-image like something mm-hmm. is abundantly wrong yeah you know? and you can't shake that off you can't walk out of your own skin and yeah you know you can't yeah so but i'm like it's just, it's important to me now that just like I said earlier, like the younger versions of myself can, can see, like have some kind of frame of reference. Yeah. When I was yeah. young, we didn't have Facebook, right? We didn't have right. like, yeah. we like, were so we isolated. Go? Did you, did yeah. it feel really isolating and lonely? Is that part of where the addiction oh, issues yeah. came in? Yeah. I don't know. I honestly, like, I don't, I've spent so much time thinking about that. Like, and I don't know if like, you know, like I had, I had substance use problems because like I carry the gene of addiction or because the trauma or because I was just wanting to check out. Like, I really don't know the answer to that riddle. And I've had different times when I thought I did, but I don't know. What I do know is that there was a long period of my life that felt unbearable. Like it felt unbearable to breathe in and breathe out and not have it feel an innate need to get out of myself. And I don't have that feeling anymore, which is really incredible. That's amazing. That's so beautiful. 
It is. It is. It is. It is. It's so beautiful because I know that there's other people that are out there that feel the same way. And I'm so glad that there's visibility now where people can see you on social media and watch your story. And I mean, your whole lot, the, the stories that you tell about like the relationship with your dad or how you met Olive or, you know, yeah. raising, you know, becoming a father and, and raising kids and like just all those beautiful steps that you got to take by being your most genuine self and being, you know, yes. it sounds like yeah. you're brave enough to do it, but it also sounds like you kind of really didn't have a choice because you couldn't live in a body that wasn't right for you. Yeah. And that's exactly, that's exactly kind of how it felt. And even with, you know, even with social media and stuff, like it's not even necessarily about social media. I just had, I got to this point in my life where I just felt like, I just felt like if it's not authentic and real, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. Or like, why be it? Mm -hmm. You know, like I spent so much of my life trying to like fit into certain things Mm -hmm. and it just didn't work in this way. But, and I remember, I remember when I very first started to like kind of follow this path of authenticity Mm -hmm. and um you know it was scary and Mm -hmm. hard in all these ways risky but yeah definitely and like this uh, like I've had to get really kind of comfortable and familiar with these like emotional hangovers Mm -hmm. like I can't tell you how many times just in the last handful of years I'll tell my story or do some kind of performance or writing or just uh, a musical, just something and going home and Mm. like going to bed and my head spinning Mm. and not being able to sleep and like, or the next day I'm like rocking back and forth and like, like just being, being scared and being like, I'm so vulnerable. (laughs) Like, I can't believe I like, I put myself, I like, let people see me emotionally naked, you know? Mm -hmm. But then too, though, it's like, I don't like, if we can't connect with each other authentically, what else is there? Yeah. Like it's, there's part of me that just doesn't want to waste my time anymore. Yeah. And I think that the opposite of the emotion, I I totally can relate to the emotional hangover where I feel like I've overshared or maybe I've like, I've gone to a bunko group and I kind of tell some people what's going on and then I leave and I'm like, Oh boy. I mean, do I really have confidence in these folks? You know, how are they going to repeat what I said? And and you can understand in this, the position I was in with the salon, there was a lot of times where I couldn't be totally transparent But there's also the side of when you're not able to be vulnerable, you're not able to be honest. That's a, that's painful too. When you're bothered telling the truth, that is ugly. There's nothing like just being able to be honest about where you're at. And not, yeah. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's not healthy. I've seen your post before. And I mean, I'm, I'm not literally talking about one. I'm talking about like, I could probably think of a dozen different things, topics that I've caught you talking about on Facebook. And um, I read through the, I know, you know, I want to put up my thing. I love you, Riley. I'm so proud of you. Fist pump, you know, but then I read (laughs) what other people are saying that maybe have had addiction issues or maybe have a child that's trans uh, is a trans. How would I say that is a trans child. 
yeah. one of their children yeah. is yeah, trans. And yeah. Mm-hmm. trans and they're learning how to handle it and how painful that can be for a parent to watch your child struggle or whatever. And it's, it is really cool because you are definitely driving the happy bus ahead of so many of us and leading the way with your rainbow taillights in the back and letting us, you know, helping That's us That's awesome. It's yeah. True. It's just a trip. Cause like I never, I didn't set out to do this. Sure. I just, no. You're just I just wanted to, your... yeah, I just wanted to stop killing myself yes you know like Mm -hmm. I wanted to stop dying but I had no idea how big life could get Mm -hmm. you know and that's but you know that's just a that's a metaphor for that could be anybody's life that's you know in until you stop killing yourself and start living and really like living in the moment living your truth I mean all those corny things we say you never know how big life can be what kind of leader you can be yeah Yeah, absolutely. And I like some of my specifics might be around being trans, but it's not really about being trans. Like that was my struggle that where I had to, you know, find comfort in my body in this world. Mm -hmm. But um, we all have our own things, you know, and the, the way in which I chose to, check out was with opioids you know Mm -hmm. and we all have you know some of us do it with people some of us do it with food some of us do it oh with uh technology i mean there's a million and 12 ways i can try to check out and not be in the moment and not feel what i'm feeling because it's just unbearable you know Mm -hmm. But the specifics of my story are just that, you know, Mm -hmm. just my story. But I am grateful that um, I'm grateful that the conversation around really, really just transgenderism in general is getting so much more visibility Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like has been a really kind of hard and fast thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean by I, that? You mean it's happened rapidly? It's happened rapidly. Um, well, I don't know what I'd say. Like with the media, with um, like there are so many people that have heard or seen about trans issues, even though 80% of people don't think that they know a trans person in real life. Do you feel me? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is, I mean, oof, Obama, when he was in office, he did, I mean, he shot the whole LGBTQ community forward light years i mean i think there were so many of us that didn't think we'd see marriage equality let alone you know trans people in the military right Uh, yeah just there have been i think trans people have had more visibility in the mainstream than ever before Mm -hmm. and i think some of it's positive some of it's negative but there is visibility nonetheless 
but yeah, some of the, like when I was saying earlier about, you know, moving to the South from the Pacific Northwest, being a felon and trans and being like, what did I do? Like, I just made things so much harder on myself mm-hmm. and there being these ridiculous bathroom laws, which essentially some of those bathroom laws were, uh, they were based that you bring the bathroom that aligns with your birth certificate, which for me, that would be female. And mm-hmm. let me know, you know, me, you know, mm-hmm. listeners who are listening to this podcast can't see me, but me walking into a women's room <laughs> is so abundantly inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of that was just based on so much ignorance uh, that, you know, they don't, they don't know what trans people really are. They don't know what trans people really look like. Mm-hmm. Or when, you know, 80% of the population of America's population says that they don't know anyone trans. And I guarantee you they do. They just, <laughs> they just don't, don't know them. Absolutely. And, but there's this, there's this thing of like, oh, and I cannot tell you how many people that, you know, I've told I'm trans and then I get this, I get this response of, oh, wow, you look really good. I can't tell. I usually can tell. It's not, it's, it's not, it's a little rude in that they think that they, know what trans people are and look like and they don't they don't and i know there's this there's this misconception that you know a trans person and you know what i will say when i was young i didn't know like if i heard the word transsexual Mm -hmm. i would get a visual of i'd get a visual of like jerry springer episodes Or a like freak show. this, like, you know, yes, yeah. in that, like, this six foot three, you know, quote unquote man in a dress right. with hairy knuckles. It's like, hi, I'm Sally. Right. You know, <laughs> like, and it was always usually like trans women that didn't pass. And it's, and this is just like the misconception. This is the narrative of like what trans people are. And it's abundantly not true. It's not true at all, but it's, that's the visual, that's the representation. And there was such this fear that men would go into women's restrooms in order to, you know, cause trans people must that there there's no line, there's no differential between trans people and sexual predators, yeah. you know, which in reality, like, there are far more white Republican Creepy. men yeah. that have, like, yeah, yeah that have the Jerry Epstein thing. Sounds like there's a lot of white creepy men with money, yeah. or just even like white Republican men that have had like inappropriate sexual stuff in yeah. bathrooms. Yeah, you know, but like trans people being sexual predators in bath, it's literally not right. a thing. It's not a thing. It's a fear. And to think that like they're trying to make these laws that would actually affect people Mm -hmm. like me, you know, granted this, this, you know, this was just part of my process of moving to the South and being like, what did Mm -hmm. I do? But at the same time being like, 
Riley, you need to be vocal. Like all these people that you're meeting and that you're around, like you need to tell them you're trans and you need to school them on what trans being trans Mm -hmm. really is to let those little kids that are struggling, those 15, 16 year old kids, let them know that they can grow up and they can survive and they can be happy and healthy and they can, they can find peace in their body. That's a great, you know, and that, that, it became important to me. It mm-hmm. really did. It's still it. So yeah. let me ask, let me tell you a story and let me ask you why you, why you think we got so far in a generation. Cause I want to know what your opinion is. We went to Hawaii. My parents splurged for this like huge Hawaiian vacation. And, you know, I have five kids and a husband and then my sister has a, a husband and two kids and, and then my parents. So it was like a big undertaking to get us all there. And we got there, we spent some time on the beach and then, I mean, it was like luxury. We, we just have never done this before. It was like a once in a lifetimer, you know? So we get there and I have, uh, I have four daughters and a son and, um, my daughter's always, the three girls are close in age. They're 13, 14 and 15. And, um, there's this little boy that started hanging out with them. And he's there on his own. His parents apparently were sick. Now, of course, this is before the plague. So I wasn't like, stay away from him. His parents might have the plague. Yeah. So now how old was he? Was he the same age as the girls? Like he might be the same age as my youngest, like about 13. And she would have been 12 last year. So, you know, maybe starting puberty, maybe not, you know, pretty young little boy. Yeah. Um, Cute, good manners, um, sweet kid, bought him lunch, hung out second day he's there third day's there you know and then I'm like oh he has a crush on this daughter oh now he's got a crush on that daughter you know like you could you could just kind of tell that like he was making like enjoying the company of all these girls totally. right and mm-hmm. my one of my daughters is uh questioning she's she's I think she's bisexual but um she's dating a girl currently but I think she also enjoys boys as well so so this daughter was her and this little boy kind of look alike. They both look pr- pretty much like, are you there? Yeah. I'm oh, here. Okay. Sorry about that. They, they no look worries. similar. They both, to be honest, they both kind of look like little boys. So Mia totally. likes to wear yeah. her hair short and she's adorable, but she, a lot of times people think she's a little boy and she's okay with it. So anyway, I feel that. Yeah. We're on that journey with her. Well, anyway, this boy, we hang out all week long and um, it's time to go to the luau, which is like an hour right on the bus. And one of, one of us ends up getting sick. And so we have a spare ticket. So we, and I forget this little kid's name, but we're like, Hey, if your parents will let you go. So his parents were like, yeah, he can go. They came down and met us and, you know, we talked for a minute and they're like, yeah, he can go. So we go, this is like a 10 day vacation. We get home and Mia mentions to me that this little boy is transitioning from female to male. And I would have never have guessed it. Never. Okay. It just wasn't even on my radar, but all the kids, all, you know, four of my kids that are old enough to have a comprehension of it. And then the other two grandkids, all six of them knew, accepted it. Didn't even, didn't even feel like it was necessary. I guess. Okay. So when I was a kid, not only would I have, 
like made a big deal out of it. Talked to my mom about it. It would have been a big drama. I wouldn't have understood it. It would have been a big deal, Mm -hmm. but I never would have just been quiet about it. But those kids were like, eh, you know, that's, that's just what it's no big deal. Yeah. They didn't. And I just wonder like, how did we do that in one generation where our, it wasn't me. I think a lot with my kids, it's the, it's the normalcy. And in the, the more that, people and especially children are exposed to diversity the less big of a deal that it is and i remember like my sister is one of the dearest people in my life i love her more than anything but she had a little harder of a time with my transition than i expected and she did not know how to tell her kids and she was convinced that it would be really difficult for them. It would be really hard. They wouldn't like know where to put it in their little brains. And it was so not like yeah. that. Like it was just like, you know, auntie went to uncle and, you know, can I have a pop tart? Like it was so just like, didn't skip a beat. Like, didn't nothing Mm -hmm. like it it just was no big deal and i i think there's a lot of that and i i think the the more that people are exposed to differences and i i think that there's so much fear around things and people and ideals and concepts and politics and all these things there's fear of the unknown there's fear of just the concept of something being different Mm -hmm. but the actuality of being trans is really not that odd in that i i can totally i get this picture of this cute kid going through that that was probably just like any other kind of pubescent boy Mm -hmm. and when i said that earlier about essentially that when people transition closer to their natural puberty, mm-hmm. the better their body takes mm-hmm. it. And that is just like a, you know, scientific yeah, fact. fact. Yeah, it is. And, and, but that kind of encourages parents to be more like, Oh, like, okay. If we do support them, what's, what's happening a lot now is that instead of, so you can like support your, your, adolescent or pubescent child in actually transitioning or you know taking hormones or what a lot of them are do are doing is taking hormone blockers so that they can just block the onset of puberty mm-hmm. and then them give a them time. a few more years yeah absolutely but especially for trans women like um people that are born male and then mm-hmm. transition to be female once they go through puberty like like once once your frame and your bone structure like once everything's big it's hard to make it small mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it just like puberty can ruin uh ugh, it just can ruin your body if you're trans you know right I feel really blessed. I still though, like I was young for my generation, but I was 20, you know, like that's young, but that's not that young. Yeah. But I'm loving it that a lot of parents are 
accepting their children just as they are. One thing I want to say, it just, or to kind of point out that they consider gender identity disorder a mental disorder. Yeah. Okay. And that bothers me. Mm-hmm. It, it 100% bothers me. But it is the only mental disorder, <laughs> the only mental disorder in the entire DSM four and five where in order to cure the disorder, you actually go through it. You do it mm-hmm. right. Like in order to cure gender identity disorder, you transition mm-hmm. like transitioning is the thing that fixes it. Mm-hmm. There is no other thing like that. Like imagine like, Oh, you're bulimic or anorexic. You just continue with that behavior and that will be your cure. Like, no, of course not. Right. <laughs> like that's so harmful. Right. Or, you know, you, you, you struggle with alcoholism. You just keep drinking and you'll get better. Right. But yet with trans stuff, it's like you want to transition. Okay, you go ahead and transition, and then all of your dysphoria is gone. Yeah, you get to the other side. Like, exactly. And like that to me, really, it just hits the nail on the head that it's physical. It's not mental. Like I'm not – I have never been confused, like at all. My body was more confused than I was. Mm -hmm. You know, once I was able to align my body with – my own truth I've had no issues and it's funny now it's funny to me now that like you know I'll gain some weight I'm balding a little bit Mm -hmm. I'm going gray like and there's so much of that stuff that like I just don't I just don't care like I have been through so much with my body yeah and like I'm 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 a man, a man dude like I I am and like that's like are. like I'm going to complain that my love handles are a little too big or oh no I'm bald like I'm fine I'm absolutely fine like I have had dysphoria around my body so much more intense and severe than this yes. and it's like it's fine yes. it's absolutely Right. So in some ways, it's kind of disappointing because I feel like I just barely scratched the surface of the story of Riley and all there is to learn from somebody like him. So definitely planning on trying to chat with him on a regular basis because I think he's just a wealth of stories and information. And I love everything about talking to him. So thank you for listening. And please remember to subscribe so that you get notifications when I have other great folks on the show to share with you. Thank you.